Welcome to Life Planning 101, brought to you by Kennedy Financial Services of Eastland. Tune in every Monday morning at 8.30 on KATX and KWBY, and again on Saturday morning at 9 on KATX and KWBY, as Angela Robinson joins Terry Slavens to share important financial information to help you live life on purpose. Insurance, investments, estate and tax planning, and much more. All covered now on Life Planning 101. And a very pleasant good Tuesday morning, everyone. Welcome into Life Planning 101 right here on KTX KWBY. We have Angela Kennedy Robinson on the phone with us. She is calling in from the great state of Montana. Is that correct, Angela? That is correct. You're going to make a lot of listeners be very envious, right? Especially if they're in Texas. 58 (laughs) degrees on this uh, beautiful Tuesday up in the uh, north country. But uh, we have lots of great stuff to talk about. And uh, Angela, I'm going to let you get right to it. Yes, and uh, we've got another victim of this pandemic that we're going to talk about today, and it's going to be a surprising one, and it's called your life insurance. And I know you're thinking, how the heck is that a pandemic? Is it because of the medical underwriting? Is it because of something to do with health-related issues? And really, the answer is no, 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 and, and no. It's completely something different. Now, before I go down this path, because here's the deal. I'm going to start talking about this life insurance and what's going on in this industry, and you're going to think, oh, my gosh, she's not a fan of life insurance at all. Quite the contrary. I'm a big believer in life insurance. And the reason I'm a big believer in life insurance is because we've seen it be needed, and we've seen when people don't have it, and we've seen when people do have it, and the world of difference that it makes the moment that it, it is needed. And Um, You know, there's an old Confucius saying that needing insurance is like a parachute. If it isn't there the first time, chances are you won't be needing it again, (laughs) right? Absolutely. And and that's the truth when it comes to life insurance. And I want to take you through a little story because there's probably, I think, everybody in our industry that's in the planning industry, that they're, you know, they, they do something of the nature of what we do. They have a reason that they're doing it. And most of the people have a reason that they came from a negative situation or saw a negative situation, and that's why they care so much about making sure people are informed and helping people out. Well, there's this one gentleman that is a very good friend of mine, and he's in um, a part of Forum 400, which is an organization that I belong to in which we, we get together a few times a year and we share many, many of our, our best ideas and what's going on. We help each other get better. And, um, he was telling me about why he's in the business, and I think his story more than anybody's was so impactful to me. And he said, you know, when I was growing up, my dad passed away when I was 12 years old, and I had two younger siblings. And my mom looked at me, and she said, well, sweetheart, your childhood just ended. Mm-hmm. And he started, he went to work. He basically just started taking care of his family at 12 years old. Wow. And never saw much of his mother, because his mother was having to work, too. And he said, you know, I never even thought about going to college. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a thought that ever crossed my mind because of the obligations that we just had to do. And, um, you know, I came to find out a little later about life insurance. And I was asking about what it was or, or you know, why people had it. And he said, I thought immediately, had only my dad had this, what a difference it would have made for my family. You know, I think I tell that story because there is a place for it. There is a reason for it. And I don't by any means want this show to be at a connotation that seeks otherwise. 
because no matter what's happening in that industry, there are still major, major needs for this. You know, I can go down the list of stories where we've seen things work out for people that uh, would have not otherwise worked out if there wasn't that pot full of cash. And so, you know, talking about that, let's flip the coin for a minute because, you know, here's the deal. We are in a pandemic and not just COVID. We're in a pandemic of low interest rates. And you say, why is that a pandemic? That's an economic simulator. Yes, it is. But let's look back and let's figure out how long interest rates have been like that. Well, if you go back to the mid-1980s, early 1980s, that's when interest rates actually started falling. And they've been falling pretty steadily ever since. It's come up a blip or two, but overall, if you look at a trend line over the last 30, 35 years, you'd be blown away to see what interest rates have done. And I remember, you know, back in 2008, 2009, when we hit, you know, 0% interest rates, and that was a big deal. And people said, oh, we can never go negative. This can't happen. And, the, you know, at the same time, people in the insurance industry, especially those that just sold life insurance, said, well, there, there can't be anything that, that tells us that there's only one direction to go. They, they've got it. Interest rates have to go up, so things have to get better. Well, here we are sitting a decade later. Interest rates are lower than where they were in 2008 and 2009. So if we stick our head in the sand and we think that there's not a problem behind the closed curtain, so to speak, with insurance companies, we need to be thinking again. And so when we come back on the show, I want to explain to you how a life insurance policy works and what is going on with that to make, uh, make this interest rate environment so threatening and what you need to be doing as a policyholder or someone that needs insurance to make sure that you can still take care of your family at the end of the day and make sure that your permanent policy stays permanent. And we're back, Life Planning 101, Segment 2. Angela has some great information for us. Yes, we're talking about your life insurance in this pandemic and how that could be another victim of COVID-19. So right before the break, we were explaining the interest rate environment and how that was affecting these policies. And I just want you to imagine for a moment that you bought a permanent policy, and maybe it's a permanent policy that... You, I mean, it didn't have to be something you bought in the 80s or 90s. This might be something you bought in 05, 07, you know, a little bit more than 10 years ago, maybe even less than that. You could have bought it in 2011, 2010, whenever. Um, and I want you to imagine that. Come to find out that that policy is not so permanent. Something that you've been counting on for years, you're actually going to end up outliving. Well, that's not a far stretch of the imagination. In fact, you could probably Google a slew of companies that have been scrutinized and, and had lawsuits over in which this is actually the case that's going on. And yes, some of those companies haven't managed those assets appropriately and haven't done a good job. But in reality, it's not really the life insurance companies that are the problem. It's the interest rate environment. So I want to explain how this works because uh, I think it would be very helpful for people to understand you know, how their policies work and, and what danger they could, they could be in. So if we have a life insurance policy and you make premiums to that on a monthly basis, a yearly basis, whatever that is, 
that life insurance company takes a certain amount of those that premium and they go and put it in what they call their reserve requirement. Now, these are the requirements by the state uh, in which that life insurance is, is um, supposed to work to be able to be kept in stable investments like cash or bonds so that it's there to pay your claim. Makes sense, right? Right. Yeah. So, in theory, um, the more a life insurance company can make with these investments of cash and bonds, the lower the cost of insurance would be to you as a policyholder. Right. So I want you to think about that trend line that we were talking about with the, you know, the interest rate environment. If you look at 30-year treasury bond rates, which, by the way, is the most likely investment for those reserve requirements, you know, back in, in the 80s and 90s, companies were guaranteeing that that policy wasn't going to earn less than 5.5%. Now, can you imagine right now finding a CD or a government bond or anything paying 5.5% that's pretty safe? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, no, <laughs> unless you, impossible. you've bought something years and years ago and it had a minimum interest, like you said, uh, you're not going to get it today. No, you're not going to get it. And the company's not getting it because as those 30 year bonds kick out, guess what they have to do? They have to go buy new 30 year bonds, right? The, every premium you have coming in is buying at a lower rate and a lower rate and a lower rate. So how does the company continue to make sure that those reserve requirements are held? How does the company continue to pay that life insurance to you? Well, there's really only a couple ways they can do it. They can invest in riskier assets, which as a life insurance company, you really don't want to see happen, right? Because right. <laughs> you want to make sure that those reserve requirements are there. And the second thing is, is they can increase the policy charges, that cost of insurance. So let's look, and like I said, this doesn't have to be a policy that you bought back in the early 80s or 90s. Let's imagine that you bought a policy in 2007, okay, so that's 13 years ago. And your policy was probably priced at that time on interest rates being around 5%. 5% interest rate. After all, that's about where, depending on the time of the year, that's where the 30-year treasury rate, rate was at that time. So now, let's look at what interest rates have done since then. If you went back to that 30-year treasury bond rate, which, by the way, we have all of this in our newsletter this week, so you can actually see these graphs that we're talking about, and you can go to www.kennedy-financial.com, www.kennedy-financial.com, sign up for our newsletter, and be able to see this. So, you know, here you have in 2007 a 5% bond. Today, at the end of June, are you ready for the 30-year Treasury rate? What is it? 1.39%. Wow. Whopping big rate, huh? So let me ask you the question. How is that sustainable to sustain the pricing that they told you would happen in 2007? Can't. They can't. Is it their fault? No. No, it's not. So when we come back right here on Life Planning 101, we're going to talk about what you need to be doing with your life insurance and what this means for you. And we're back. Final segment, Life Planning 101. Angela talking life insurance and COVID. 
Yes, life insurance and COVID. What a combination. <laughs> um, actually, you know, for a lot of us, it might be really important to make sure our life insurance isn't going to be lapsing in the near future with this pandemic. Absolutely. Um, you know, but let's get back to what we were talking about, because this is so important, and I, I just don't think people understand or know about that. I know they don't understand or know about this. I was even talking to a life insurance agent about a month ago that we ended up rewriting a policy that he had with a, a client that we shared. And, of course, he was, he was kind of upset by it, but I was trying to explain this to him. And the answer that he kept giving me, well, they're just moving away from bonds and investing in other investments. And I said, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. They're having to go what we call reach for yield. And any time a company has to reach for yield, that increases the risk that they're taking. And just imagine a 2008-2009 environment that we were in, you know, with a financial crisis. When you reach for yield, most of the time you're reaching for yield in real estate. That's where you can find it. Right. Well, in 08 and 09, we had a real estate crisis, right? And I'm going to be presumptive to say this, but I'll be darned if we probably aren't on the verge of another one. Just because here we are pandemic, post-pandemic, we figured out how to work from anywhere. Why do we need all this office real estate? Why do we need all that overhead? Businesses are smart. They're going to figure out how to do things cheaper, better, and faster, and this just gave them the nudge to push them over the edge. So, you know, real estate can be just as dangerous as, you know, any other type of equity investment, stock investment. And I'm not saying all real estate falls in the same category or has the same ups and downs, but it's not certainly not a place that, you know, when I want to make sure money's there for my family, that I want my reserve requirements going into, or a significant amount of them, right? Right. So, you know, here's the deal, is that companies are having to raise what they call the cost of insurance within that company. You know, like we said before the break, in 2007, you had treasury bonds, they were able to go buy for 5%. Well, today, they're buying those treasury bonds for a whopping 1.39% interest rate. They can't honor what they promised back in 2007. It's impossible. And the same thing goes with, you know, 08 and 09. I remember, like we said at the very beginning of the show, interest rates fell below 3% on uh, that treasury for the first time. You know, interest rates at the Fed level were zero. And everybody said, oh, they can't go any lower. It can't happen. Well, let's look up 12 years later and where are we at? We're lower. And why are we lower? Because they really never came back much. And that's the truth of the matter. So what happens if we continue to stay in this stagnated interest rate environment? What are these companies going to be doing? And they've already been doing it. We're seeing it. They've been raising the cost of insurance on new products, old products alike, because they have to. I had a, a question to me as I, I had a, a, someone asking me, what are you doing a show on this week? And um, as a client of ours, and uh, she said, well, don't they have to, uh, you know, honor those guarantees? And if they have guarantees in that policy, they do have to honor the guarantees. But I bet if you take a double take at how your policy was written or when you signed that contract, you might have a guarantee to age 80. But what if you lived to age 81? Right. Ouch. Maybe there's no guarantee on your contract, depending on the type of risk that you chose to take with that policy. You know, I always say that if, unless you're paying, you know, for uh, a Ferrari, you don't have a Ferrari. You may have a Toyota truck, and it runs just fine, but if the price of gas goes up, you still got to pay that increase. 
don't have a choice, right? So, you know, here's the deal is that you've got a policy that was written maybe yesterday that isn't written to sustain a low interest rate environment. Isn't that kind of scary when you think about it? And there was lots and lots of policies written in a high interest rate environment that are either stop performing or underperforming today. That's exactly right. So, you know, the question is, what can you do about it? What can you do as a consumer? Because, you know, going back to the beginning of the show, life insurance is bought because someone needs it. Should be bought because someone needs it. I'm a proponent. I own it. I have it because I believe in it. I know that if I, you know, something were to happen to me, my family needs to be taken care of. And the last thing I want them to be worried with is money. You know, we do it, we use it all the time when uh, business owners need to equalize inheritances for kids that one works in the business and one doesn't or needs to pay estate taxes or create liquidity or, or you know, help a surviving spouse so that she doesn't have to fire or sell the business and only get a quarter of what it's worth. Um, you know, there's so many reasons that you need life insurance, and, and it's a great thing to have. But the thing that we fail to do when we buy life insurance is truly understand the risk, like we've been talking about today, truly understand what we're buying, what guarantees we have, what guarantees we don't have. And then the second thing is when we get that policy, we lock it in a safe and we never look at it again. Sure. Well, let's repeat what we've been talking about all show. If you bought a policy 12 years ago, do you think that it's in the same condition that it was 12 years ago? Absolutely not. No, it's not. If you bought it five years ago, I would challenge that it's in the same position that it was five years ago. So what does that mean for you? You need to x-ray that policy. You need to analyze that policy. See what's going on inside of that policy and make sure that it's going to fulfill the promises that you need it to fulfill. And if it's not you still have time to do something about it. You know, I always uh, like that saying that buying life insurance is like fixing a leak in your roof. The longer you wait, the more expensive it gets. Yes. <laughs> so, it is so true. You know, if you wait to the last hour and say, oh, well, I just bought that five years ago. I don't need to do anything with it. And then, you know, 15 years from now, you try to fix that leak in that roof. Sometimes it's not able to be fixed. So, you know, the sooner, the earlier. And we're all, you know, we're, we're big proponents that life insurance should be treated like any other thing that is an asset in your life that you have. I mean, do you buy your house and never get pest control to come out and never tune up your air conditioner or, you know, have to fix something in your foundation or work on your plumbing? Is that what you do with your house that you have? No, we don't do that. What about your investments? You set them and forget them. Never worry about them again. Just leave them alone for 40 years. No. No. We manage those, right? Well, why should your life insurance be any different, especially conclusive of what all we talked about in today's show? It's no different. It needs to be managed. It needs to be analyzed on an annual basis. You can't see what's happening on that, in that life insurance from your statement. People say all the time, well, I'm getting my statement. I can see my cash. Sure. I bet you can't. But what if they raise that internal cost of insurance and in five years from now, that cash is going to be gone? You know that. Right. Yeah, you might not. And so you need to be able to know what those cost of insurance increases are doing. So we have literally seen policies on the verge of lapsing within the next quarter when they've walked in our office. We've had to figure out how to fix. We have one lady, she was on hospice third time 
and the policy was going to lapse. It was like a, I mean, literally favor of the Lord that they walked in and they handed us that policy and said, we probably need to look at this because they were about to lose a million dollar policy on the, on the mother. Oh. Yeah. On the verge of lapsing. Had another gentleman, similar situation. He's not in great health, but we're having to monitor that thing every single quarter because it was going to lapse. And guess what? He had been told that it was just fine. Everything was going to be just fine. He didn't need to do anything with it. So, you know, a lot of times people say, um, when, when we get a hold of the policy, we say, we're, re- we're going to request an x-ray from the home office of that insurance company. And say, well, I can just ask my insurance agent. Well, a lot of times that insurance agent doesn't even know what's going on. They don't even know what to ask for because they don't look at insurance like this. Right. That's not what they do. So it's extremely important that you do that. We've seen uh, policies that the premiums need to increase drastically or it's going to run out of money, you know, before life expectancy even. Um, I'll be honest, I'm more fearful of people living too long than dying too soon when they have a life insurance policy because the reality is is that's where we're going as a population is living longer. There are literally policies that were written up into the 2000s that will expire, so to speak, at age 94. 94! That's what they're saying. If you make it one day over 94, guess what? No You're out of luck. You're out of luck, right? Great information. Yeah. What do you have? What do you need to be looking at? It's so important that you understand that. And on the flip side of this, I have to say, we've seen policies that have been monitored and managed, and they're in wonderful shape, great shape. In fact, our entire policy history that we have. We look at those on an annual basis and manage those on an annual basis. And so we're telling our families and individuals, this is what needs to happen or what could happen. And we want you to understand these risks and, you know, what do you want to do with this? And, you know, our rule of thumb is insurance should be for that. It should be for insurance. If you need to manage it for insurance and make sure that you're taking good care of, you know, what you need for your family's future. So my rule of thumb with this, you won't know until you ask. And don't let your life insurance be, you know, with your family, another victim of this pandemic. You need to be getting an x-ray on it, and you need to do it today. My name is Angela Robinson with Kennedy Financial Services here in the great town in Eastland, Texas. Uh, God bless everyone. Um, God bless America and this great country that we live in. And uh, we just hope that each and every week that you find this information extremely valuable, something that can help you live life on purpose. Thank you for joining us for Life Planning 101, brought to you by Kennedy Financial Services of Eastland. Tune in every Monday morning at 8.30 on KATX and KWBY, and again on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock on KATX and KWBY for more Life Planning 101. Advisory services offered through Smart Money Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Calton & Associates, Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Kennedy Financial Services, Incorporated is an independent of Calton & Associates, Incorporated, and Smart Money Group, LLC.